One of the most uh, popular stories of grace and deliverance found in all the scriptures is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. It's recorded in three of the four gospel narratives, Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 5, and also in Luke chapter 8. So we know even from that that it's a, it's a very important story concerning salvation. This poor blood-diseased woman is a picture and a type of every man and woman, naturally speaking, that has or will ever live. What do we know about her? Well, the same things that God reveals to His people about themselves. Let's uh, begin in Matthew's account, chapter 9, if you would turn there first with me. Matthew chapter 9, we'll begin in verse 20. You know, I was thinking again as I was reading over this narrative that all the diseases, the sicknesses, the infirmities that are recorded in the New Testament in some way or another picture our spiritual condition before the Lord. And Christ's healing of those is a beautiful picture of His saving us by His grace. Now in verse 20 here we read Matthew chapter 9, And behold a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Now from this single verse, we immediately see some things about this poor soul who very well pictures us. First, she was diseased. So are we. Diseased with sin. Her disease was an issue of her blood. So is ours. She had been sick for a long time, 12 years. You and I have been sick for a long time. How long? All our lives. Born sick. Born dying in trespasses and sin. She's been sick for a long time. Fourthly, she came to the Lord Jesus and touched Him. And friends, you and I are going to have to have a touch from the Savior in order to be restored. Mark's account tells us a bit more. Mark tells us that she suffered many things of many physicians. She had tried all their remedies. She tried everything that they told her to do. You can go back a couple hundred years even in this nation and find some very primitive treatments for various diseases. Can you imagine what it was like over 2,000 years ago? Can you imagine the terrible tasting medicines they must have given her to, to consume? And then you think of all these other crazy methods like uh, bleeding, where they would actually extract the... Uh, your blood and hoping that they would remove the impurities and diseases within? Well, this woman was already bleeding to death. That was the last thing she needed for them to do was to take more blood. Can you imagine the medical roller coaster that this woman was on? We get some of it in our day, but my, 
She had suffered many things of many physicians. One would give her hope and then another would discourage her. One would tell her that they could cure and another would say there's no hope for you. She suffered many things of many physicians. And not only had she suffered with her disease, she had to suffer with these witch doctors. Uh, I remember, I believe it was Jack Shanks that preached a message one time called the Doctors of Doom, and that's what they were. One would prescribe one treatment, another would prescribe another, and she suffered until she ran out of money. Then none could or would help her. She spent all that she had, we're told, and was nothing bettered, but grew worse. That's, that's a picture of us. Luke tells us something else. Not only had she suffered many things, not only had she seen many doctors, not only had she spent every dime that she had, not only was she none the better, but grew worse, she neither could be healed of any. I don't know that I ever noticed that before. She neither could be healed of any. There was no earthly doctor that could help her. How hopeless that must be. You know, when we get sick, we're looking for a specialist. We're looking for someone that specializes in whatever disease we have. But there was not any that could help her. No earthly doctor. She had a blood disease that no man, no doctor could cure. Not but one man, and that being the God-man. That's the same with us. We have a disease, the disease of sin, that no man can cure. And let me add, we can't cure it ourselves either. None but the God-man. None but the great physician. I see a picture here of what's happening today. Uh, men and women are sick in sin. They're diseased. They have a heart problem. They have a blood disease called sin. And they're being deceived and they're spending all they have and they're growing worse. Why couldn't these physicians help her? Well, first, they didn't understand her disease. Her disease was an inward affliction. They didn't know anything about it. They prescribed for her outward remedies. But she had an inward disease. If the disease of sin was only outward, perhaps what they prescribed would have helped her. But her disease was inward. And so was ours. Religion and their preachers and teachers, they can't help folks today because they don't understand what's wrong with them. It's not outward conduct that needs to be changed. I'll never forget this. I've told you this many times. I'm going to tell you again. You knew that, didn't you? But when I was young and in Sunday school, I remember a sign they had there that said, the way to heaven 
Turn right and go straight. Well, sorry, I can't do that. I can't turn right and I can't go straight. It's not outward conduct that needs to be changed. It's not an outward direction that needs to be improved upon. Our hearts need to be changed. I don't have uh, just. Uh, I don't just need stents and open up the blood flow. I need a new heart. We need a new birth. We need a new creation. We need a new nature. We need a new heart. We need something done within. Outward ointments on my head won't touch my heart. And I'm telling you folks, walking an aisle, joining the church, saying a prayer, getting in the baptistry, putting your name on a roll, becoming a member, won't create in you or me a new heart and a new spirit. All the remedies that these doctors of doom prescribed, this poor lady didn't, they didn't even come close to her real problem. It only gave her false hope and it only crushed her in the end. That's what's happened to a lot of folks today. They're being misled. And all this brought her to an end with them and she ran out of money. Now here in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 21, we see that she set her affection to one called the great physician. Look what she says. She said, within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. I entitled this message fully persuaded because this woman was. She was fully persuaded that if she but touched the hem of Christ's garment, she would be made whole. But could she? May she touch Him? Would she be allowed to touch Him? Would she be able to get to Him to touch Him? Notice that she didn't say this out loud. It says that she said it within herself. Do you, do you ever do that? <laughs> you don't say the words audibly and outwardly. You think them within your heart. You say them to yourself. I even say that I do that all the time. I, I said within myself or I said in my head, you know. And I was thinking often a silent doubt eats right through to the heart. Sometimes it helps just to say the words. I recently read a story about the nation of Sparta, which was one of the smallest but most powerful populations in all of ancient Greece. And they, as you might know, brought up mighty warriors to protect their small country. The young boys in their society were put through grueling tests and challenges in their training to transform them into the greatest of warriors. And these young men were often starved of food so that they could would have to rely on foraging and hunting or even stealing to survive. And in this society, death always came before dishonor. 
It was understood among them that it was better to suffer pain and silence, even death if need be, rather than suffer the indignity of betrayal and to discourage dissent and encourage recruits to think this way. There was a story that was told among them of the Spartan and the fox. And the story goes and begins with a group of young recruits, about seven years old. That's how young they started training these young men. As a game conspired together to steal a fox that belonged to a man as a pet. Now, I, I don't know about having a fox as a pet because a fox is a, is a wild animal by nature. But when the owners of the fox came looking uh, for, for the fox, the boys coerced one in their group, one of the boys, to hide the fox under his tunic. And that's what he did. But trapped inside his cloak, the panicked fox quickly turned savage, as wild beasts do, and he began digging away at the boy's flesh in a desperate attempt to free himself. And the boy, however, didn't flinch. Not wanting to give the game away, when questioned by the fox owners over the animal's disappearance, the boy remained silent and steadfast, though he was in great pain. And after the entire affair calmed down and was over, the fox's owners departed and continued their search. Only then did the boy drop to the ground with the bloody fox falling from his tunic and escaping into the forest and realizing that their fellow recruit was now dying, the other boys asked him, why not just tell the truth? Surely it had been better to let the fox go and face the punishment than to, to let the fox maul him to death. But the boy replied, not so. It's better to die without yielding to the pain rather than being detected through weakness to gain a life to be lived in disgrace. In other words, he was saying it's better to die than to, to expose your own weakness. And this is how these Spartans were, were trained and taught. Many people today carry inward doubts without sharing them and they eat away at them until they die. But hear me on this, the enlightened child of God is, is not so. It's not so. You see, this poor woman may have kept her doubts and her weaknesses within herself. She may not have said them audibly for anyone to hear, but she did go and she did do what she felt necessary regardless of what it revealed about her weaknesses. You see, dear sinner, if God reveals to you your weakness, you've got to recognize it and own it, and it because it will be our need that causes us to come to Christ. We've, we've said that so many times. Need. Do you need help? You'll never need help a great physician. You'll never need a Savior until you see that you do. She came and she touched the hem of Christ's garment 
And the scripture says, was made whole. You know, I remember once in grade school, I had the desperate need to go to the restroom. And I raised my hand. I said, Miss Florence, can I go to the restroom? And I, I think she was determined to teach me a lesson in grammar. I'll never forget her response. She said, you can, but you may not. And uh, I was confused. And uh, can I go? In desperation, I asked. She said, you can go, but you may not. And I pleaded for her to tell me what she meant. Could, could I go or couldn't I? You know, that's kind of like pivoting. And um, she elaborated and she said, well, you have the ability to go. You can stand up from your seat. Can you not? Not not in my head. And she said, you can walk to the restroom. Can you not? And I'm like, yeah. She said, and you know where the restroom is, don't you? And I said, yes, I, I, I do. She said, you've got the God-given ability to use the restroom once you get there. Do you not? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I can go. So can I go? And she said, yes, you can. But you may not. <laughs> in other words, you don't have my permission. You have the ability, but not the permission. You can go, but you may not. But with our salvation, see, it's just the opposite. We cannot go to Christ that we might have life. The Lord Himself said that. You, you, you cannot come to Me that you might have life. We don't have the ability. We don't have the will. He said, you will not come to Me that you might have life. We don't have the ability to go. We don't have the, the, the willingness to go. We cannot stand. We cannot walk. We have no knowledge as to where to go. We don't know where eternal life is even found. But we may come. We can't come, but we may come. Just the opposite. So I suppose that the question above all questions is, how do we receive the life and the ability to go to Christ? Well, this poor soul knew. She knew because she'd already been given life. How? Well, let's look to Mark's account. Turn over to Mark chapter 5 with me. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, if you would. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. Now look at verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched His garment. This woman heard of Jesus. This obviously wasn't the first time. She had heard some things about Him. She knew that if she touched Him, she would be made whole. She heard and she believed what she heard. 
She knew that he had the super abounding power to heal her. God had revealed to her who this great physician was. What had she heard? She'd heard about all the great things that he had done. Possibly she'd heard how he had cleansed a man with leprosy. That he had healed a paralytic that was let down from the roof in front of him. Maybe she, someone had told her about the Lord healing a man with a withered hand. Possibly she heard about the dead man that the Lord made alive at Nain's gate. These are all things that had transpired before she came to the Lord. Maybe word had circulated about this man's ability to calm the storms and to, to uh, obey the, the wind, uh, the, that the winds and the sea would obey him, I should say. Maybe she'd heard that. Maybe she heard about that man that had a legion of devils that this man bid to go into a herd of pigs. But one thing's for sure, she was so full, she was so fully persuaded, so full of God-given faith that she believed that even his clothes, even his clothes were so saturated with his power and his mercy and his grace that his garments could heal her if she could but touch them. Now that's faith. She must have thought, how could any doubt this man called Jesus Christ? After all, I've heard all these things that he's done. It's proven. And those who believe not make his father out to be a liar. How can we not believe him? She had doubts in herself, but she didn't have any doubts in him. That's just pretty much the opposite today. Folks have doubts in God, but they don't have any doubts in themselves. And that's why they believe that they themselves can do something to be saved. And she didn't know if she could make it to Christ. Her condition brought with her some doubt. Doubt in her, but not in Him. And no doubt that the throng of pe people created a great obstacle for her. The crowd was a, a barrier. It was a stumbling block. It was a hindrance for her. But it didn't stop her. If she could but touch Him, and not Him, but just His clothes, she would be made whole. You see, He can save to the uttermost. He's able to say to the uttermost, those who come to God by Him. She had to get to Him. I've got to get to Him, she said. If I do, I'll be made whole. Well, I've spent all that I had on doctors. I've grown worse. There's nowhere else for me to go. This woman didn't just feel bad. She was seriously ill. She was deathly sick. She was dying. You know, many today forsake the sending of themselves together over a hangnail. And it's not a lack of interest, it's a lack of need. But this woman had great need. 
Do you, do you see this morning that you have great need? Mark tells us that when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. Well, that's important. And touched His garment. You see, the crowd is moving forward. She's not coming toward the Lord to where He's going to meet her on the, the, the way to where He's going. No, she's coming from behind Him. She's coming through the crowd. And it was a throng of people. And more than likely, she's crawling. Well, why do you say that, David? Well, she's out to touch the hem of this garment that's found low to the ground. She has to get through this crowd. She's got to get to the Lord as He's moving forward. And that took a great effort. And more than likely, she's crawling. Can you imagine? Can you picture this? All these people moving at a pretty hurried pace, following the Lord, and she's back behind them, and she's, she's been over at best and possibly crawling, and she's trying to get through that crowd to get to Him. We live in a day where folks won't cr- walk across the street to hear the Gospel. But this woman did. And we're told that straightway the fountain, the flowing, the hemorrhaging of her blood was dried up. You know what that means? It means she got to whom? She made her way through that crowd. She got to him and she touched the hem of his garment. She made up that, that ground. She caught up to him. She touched his garments, him. She was healed of her plague, the scripture said. She would not be denied. She came empty handed. How do I know? She'd spent all. She didn't have anything else. She had nothing left to bring. And when when she touched the Lord, the Lord asked, who touched me? He said, I perceive that power has gone out of me. And it had. It had gone out of Him into her. You see, religion gets this backwards. They want to do something to receive life, regeneration, and redemption. Someone who's dead in sin can't do anything. Remember, they have no ability. They have no life. They cannot. (laughs) This woman heard the Gospel. She heard about Christ. This woman knew she had a problem. This woman knew she had a need. She knew that only one could meet that need and she came to the only one that could help her. You're in Mark chapter 5. Look at verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in Himself that virtue had gone out of Him, He turned about in the press and He said, Who touched My clothes? And His disciples said unto Him, Well, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched Me? Are you kidding? Everybody's touched you. Now listen, the Lord knew who had touched Him. He had so purposed before the foundation of the world. He knew who touched Him. He didn't ask for His own sake. He asked that the cure might be known to others. He didn't ask in order to get worldly applause. He asked for the manifestation of His own glory. He asked for the strengthening of Jairus' faith. You remember? 
JR's, he's on his way to JR's house when all this happened. He had a little girl laying at home dying. And he asked who touched him for JR's sake too. Verse 32, and he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, <laughs> she knew immediately she had been healed. She came and she fell down before him and told him all the truth. <laughs> the truth concerning herself. She told him about all her suffering. She said, Lord, I've, I've suffered for 12 years with this. She told him about her struggling with doctors. I've seen every doctor there is to see. None could help me. I, I grew, I've grown, I, I grew worse. I spent every dime I had and now nobody will help me. She told him about all her struggling with the pain. She told him all the truth. Everything. And look what he says, verse 34. And he said unto her, Daughter. Ah, don't you imagine that was precious to her ears? Daughter. Thy faith hath made thee whole. It was her trusting and believing, her faith in Christ that made her whole. That word means sound and well. And that's what the Lord Himself said. As we know, without faith it's impossible to please God. You see, he that cometh to God must believe that He is, that He is what? That He's God. Must believe that He is. The child of God must believe that God is God. The one who is given faith believes that God rewards them that diligently seek Him. But how does He reward them? Are we going to get a bigger crown in glory? Some folks have done so much stuff that, that they're going to have a, a, a crown in glory that they're going to need a neck brace to hold it up. And uh, does, does this mean that you're going to have a little bigger mansion in glory? I heard someone tell... Uh, Someone one time before that he believed that this person would be saved, but he's going to live in a little cabin on the other side of glory instead of in a mansion where he's going to be living. And this fellow, I tell you, it was Brother Winford that said it. You know this story. He said, well, in heaven will I have Christ? And he said, oh yeah. He said, that's all that matters to me. I don't care if it's a cabin or a mansion. If I've got Christ, i got it all. <laughs> my, my. With believing, with the faith that God gives in and by and through Christ alone is our reward. Grace and faith are God's gifts to the chosen sinner. That's our reward. Christ is our reward. These are those that God determined to give mercy and grace before they were ever born. The Scripture says before they've done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Now let's once again quickly break down Paul's words to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. You know the verses well. You don't have to turn there. How are sinners saved? Paul said, by grace 
are you saved? By grace through faith. Did the grace and the faith originate with us? No. It's not of yourselves, he said. It's the gift of God. It's not in, by, or through any work of ours. If it was, we would boast. Not by works, lest any man should boast, because that's what we'll do if we had something to do with it. For we, those who are saved, are His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It's not our good works that save us. It's Him saving us that brings about our good works. Unto good works. Our good works didn't save us. Our faith didn't save us. Our good works and faith are the result of God's grace and work in us. God ordained that we should believe and trust and rest in Christ's finished work. Now let me ask you, are you? If God had not ordained and given us grace and faith, we would never have been saved. The faith that we have is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Grace is not anything we earn. It's not anything that we merit. And it's certainly not anything that we deserve. What is it? It's a gift. It's God's gift to us. Even when we were dead in sins, God hath quickened us, made us alive together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? Not of works, but by grace. How are we justified? How are we made just and righteous? Freely. Not by works, being justified freely through the redemption that is where? In Christ Jesus. Romans 3.24 Now, I want you to turn with me quickly to Luke chapter 8, the last gospel narrative of this story. Verse 46. Luke chapter 8, verse 46. And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive the virtue has gone out of me. Now, we're not given this woman's name. That shouldn't surprise us. It's not about her. Well, it's all about her, not really. No name, no distinction. She's a somebody that is a nobody. That's what all of us are. Her name's not significant. Why, she could be any one of us. She's called somebody, so she's a real person. God in Christ is going to show mercy. Now listen to me. He's going to show mercy to somebody. That's why He came. He came into the world to save sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Somebody, somebody's going to be saved. Some sinner's going to be saved. Some lost person's going to be found. The Lord Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, 
and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So we see that these somebodies are poor. These somebodies are broken hearted. These somebodies are captives. These somebodies are blind. These somebodies are bruised. These somebodies are unacceptable. Christ came to preach the gospel to them. He came to heal their broken hearts. He came to deliver them from their captivity. He came to recover their sight to them. He came to soothe their bruises. He, he came to make them acceptable. God's going to be merciful to somebody. God's going to be gracious to somebody. I don't know who they are. You know, people say silly things sometimes like, well, if you believe in election, then why don't you just preach to the elect? I would, but I don't know who they are. God does. So we preach the gospel to every creature and God saves those that He chose. That's His business, not mine. We plant, we water. God gives the increase. I'm so glad that's God's business. God's going to be merciful. He's going to be gracious to somebody. I don't know who they are. I don't know their name. But it's somebody and they're a nobody. I know that they'll be thirsty. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, let him that is a thirst come. I know they'll be thirsty. Whosoever this somebody is, let him take of the water of life. How? Freely. Freely. I don't know who this somebody is, but I know that they'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I don't know who these somebodies are, but I know that they'll have a great need for a great physician. I know this because those who are well have no need of a physician. But these somebodies, they have a great need. She did. And what'd she get? What she needed. These somebodies know that God will supply all their need according to His riches and glory in Christ, by Christ Jesus. And that's why these somebodies will come to Him no matter what it takes. Now, we're not told this woman's name, but I can assure you that she was an example to others. Well, how do you know that? Well, later in Matthew chapter. 14, we're told in verse 34, And when they, the Lord and His disciples, were gone over, they came into the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of Him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto Him all that were diseased. Now listen to this. And besought Him that they might only touch the hem of His garment. And as many as touched Him were made perfectly whole. Don't you think that word had spread... Did you hear about that woman who had that blood disease for 12 years and she just touched the hem of his garment and was made whole? And everybody said, I, give me some of that hem of that garment. Where is that hem of his garment? It's attached to him. Later in Mark chapter 6, verse 53, Mark tells us the same thing. When they passed over him and his disciples and drew to shore, when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, and they ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick. Can you picture this? Multitudes of people carrying 
sick folk and beds and on cots, like that man they led down through the, the roof. And when they heard where he was, whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they lay the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. I give you again the words of this needy soul who said within herself, if I may touch his garment, I shall be made whole. She said, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'll be allowed, but I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to get to Jesus Christ and to be made whole. How about you? How about you? Do you have the same resolve? Do you have the same determination? Well, I leave you with the words of the Lord Jesus to her. Now she feared being rebuked. Remember what he said? Daughter, be of good cheer. She wasn't rebuked and turned away. She was accepted and encouraged. He calls her daughter, meaning you're one of mine. He bids her good comfort. Hear me on this. If you're one of His, God is out to do you good. That's right. He's out to do you good. This woman was fully persuaded. Are you? Are you? Like Abraham, we too can be fully persuaded that what He promised, He is also able to perform. Uh, he's able and He's willing. How do I know? Because this book tells me that He is faithful that promised.